around here. Captain! Signatures detected. Shields up. Signatures detected. Context Southfleet Command. What's happening? Context Southfleet Command. Delay that order. Context Southfleet Command. This is the captain. Context Southfleet Command. Get out of my chair. Chair, 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 chair. We have engaged the Klingons. 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 Welcome to the greatest discovery. It's a new Star Trek podcast from the makers of the greatest generation. I'm Adam Pranica. I'm Ben Harrison. Good morning, Adam. <laughs> We're doing this show in the morning, which is uh, generally known as a moment in time where people are the most funny and creative. Uh-huh. Yeah. The best time of day to be to be hilarious. Yeah. It's the right time for us to be podcasting. Yeah. Uh, I've always said that. You don't feel the pressure in the morning. <laughs> we are really slipping this in because, you know, we're on tour right now. We've got our uh, Houston show and our Austin show coming up the week this drops. Yeah. But uh, we were just in Boston and Toronto. And yeah, we like got home, watched a couple episodes of Trek, are recording this, and, uh, and then uh, heading back to the airport, basically. <laughs> It's great. It's a great life. It is. Not complaining. It's a little exhausting. I, I caught myself being like kind of a grumpy a grumpy jerk the other day just because I was like tired and wrung out from all the travel. Yeah, I was like that too. And I, I felt like shit afterwards. Like you realize you've been a dick and yeah. then ugh, you can't fix that. No, it's not a good look. No. You, you got to fix that before it happens. You got to fix the dick during (laughs) fixing it afterwards helps no one no no it's like uh fixing the barn door after the horse has already gotten out a reference to star trek 3 adam (laughs) wow you are a podcasting professional yeah one thing we learned in toronto and i don't want to put our uh our friends of desoto on on blast here but we've had uh, a couple of years in Toronto now where people come through the line at the end of the show and kind of uh, give us a little elbow to the ribs and say, you know, I work on Star Trek Discovery, like on the set. And this year we found out a lot of people that work on that set (laughs) listen to our dumb podcast. It was kind of alarming. Like the first, like we were familiar with a few of them who came through and then a few more came through and then a few more after that. Yeah. And I thought a trick was being played on us. Yeah. Yeah. There's going to be like a, there's going to be a punchline at the end of this, that it, it, this is a prank or something. Message was authentic though, because the people who were there from the crew, like had crew shirts and stuff. Yeah. Like they were, they were wearing it. We, uh, we were told that it's, it's something that. You know, more than a few people are listeners and uh, both in front of and behind the camera. So I, <laughs> the, the first thing I thought was like, oh, no, I hope it doesn't like make the podcast bad because we don't want to like say something that would hurt feelings or whatever. But you know, what's great is that Jonathan Frakes probably recognized you on that plane and was <laughs> like, why isn't this guy talking to me? This guy's a huge dick. What What's his fucking problem? <laughs> this fucking diva Star Trek podcaster won't talk to me, Jonathan Frakes. He thinks he's too good? <laughs> <laughs> he's that just really going to sit there the and do a crossword puzzle the entire time? <laughs> Man, fuck this guy. <laughs> wow. I bet you feel even worse now, Ben. Uh, you know, all things make me feel worse, you know? Yeah. Like... I've never encountered anything that made me feel better about anything. 
it's a thrill to know that this little show is uh, is enjoyed by people who work on something that we enjoy so much. So yeah, so that's really nice to hear. I was tickled pink by it, and uh, you I just think... need to stop thinking about it during the show. We don't yeah. want to get you off your game. That said, uh, do you want to get into the episode today? And I'll do my best <laughs> to just uh, just let that knowledge leave my brain. All right. Yeah. Lobotomize yourself as we get into uh, another Short Treks episode. It's a Star Trek Discovery flavored Short Trek called Ask Not. And it is the shortest of all the Short Treks. The shortest Trek is what this one is. And uh, like most episodes that we love the most, it is the most in media race beginning. Like no credits, no nothing. Bam. Yeah, they uh, they kind of drop some of the uh, established opening uh, sequence stuff that uh, they've had on the other ones, just to get right into it. I like that they're uh, that they're exploring the production space in this sandbox. You know, like there's no prescribed format for what these are. Yeah, did your Kobayashi Maru senses tingle when this episode started? The thing that felt wrong to me immediately was that we're on a star base that's under attack and the computer is saying yellow alert. What is red alert on Starbase 28 if this is yellow <laughs> alert? <laughs> I mean, that that was a uh, a shocking beginning. Yeah. And it put me in my own head for a little bit, but yeah. you really don't get too much time to think about the details because things are moving so quickly. You know, on uh, Star Trek Enterprise, there's I think in, in the first I'm season, I'm not familiar. Uh, great television program. Um, yeah, there's an episode in the first season that is about the establishment of yellow alert and red alert as as procedural elements of work on a starship. So, like the first six photon torpedoes qualify as a yellow alert, but uh, the next dozen bumps it up to red. I think that the rubric is. If it makes you piss yourself, it's a yellow alert. And if it makes you shit blood, it's a red alert. Wow. Uh, very <laughs> clinically detailed there in a way that is terrible. <laughs> uh, our main character on this one is Cadet Sidu, and she is stationed alone. Did, it, did she say inventory is where she is working? That's the room that she's in. Uh, she is an engineer, but she's working inventory. And anyone who works a retail job will tell you uh, the inventory shift sucks the most. Oh, really? It might actually be something that you would enjoy because it occurs when the store is closed most of the time. Oh, yeah. So you don't have to interact with anyone mostly, and it's just you and a clipboard counting things. But oh, my God, inventory sucks. I would love that. Did not enjoy. Sounds like putting together a Lego. It's just kind of, you go like hunt and peck. You find a little thing, write it yeah. down, go find the next thing. This is about to be in a terrible accident. She is standing at a uh, at a Star Trek control panel and uh, everything behind her explode. And then as she's kind of like rolling around on the floor trying to get her senses, a uh, couple of... Uh, red shirts walk in with a yellow shirt who is in a kind of digital looking hood. It's like a triangle pattern hood that, uh, you know, like very high end handbags I've seen with this kind of material. It looked to me like a geodesic gimp mask. 
All right, you get a little ding. Uh, <laughs> but that uh, is uh, caused to kind of disassemble and fly into a little packet. Uh, and the security guys explained that uh, that the rest of the crew on the starbase don't need to know that this uh, particular dirt bag is a defector uh, as part of there's part of a there's a uh, there's a mutiny afoot Adam they 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 hooded him but they did not uh, wrap anything around his sleeves which you know are the thing that indicates he's got a certain rank right I thought that uh, I thought that that might be as or more important than obscuring his identity i've got a question about the costumes that this scene brings up and Mm. that is like is the reason that starfleet uniforms have the black collar so that it can integrate with the gimp mask should you be (laughs) placed under arrest for mutiny like it's a weird kind of (laughs) it's like everyone is wearing dog collars and you never knew it yeah uh, all of our new friends that work at Discovery need to ask Gersha Phillips about this. Like, where where did this come from? Maybe I'm making this up, but haven't we seen somebody kind of wrath of conning the, the flap on these uniforms where they like let yeah. it hang open a little bit? Yeah, that's a great look. That's a dope look. It's an episode so short that there are very few moments visually where you're like, whoa, nice. Yeah. But- uh, one of them occurs right here because we get our single on Sea-Doo and then we sort of back up and rotate around to reveal the unmasked pike. Yeah. And then we're in it. And this this is a lot like the Trapped in the Turbolift episode uh, from the last Short Treks because it's one location basically for the entire story. Yeah, I feel like you could, uh, like if you had this script, you could take it to an acting class as uh, and, you know, get a scene partner and... It would be a really fun acting exercise. Like, they're just trading barbs, you know? Yeah. Pike launches right into orders, and Cadet Sidu pushes back pretty hard. We follow protocol. The Starbase and the Enterprise remain a united front. Pike's argument at Sidu is on a number of fronts. So he's he, like, launches into orders, and then the orders thing doesn't work because the orders get thrown back at him. And then he, he appeals to her... Uh, understanding of the situation they're in and sort of explains that this ship that her husband is on is in danger. And if only she could help him, uh, maybe they could together save his life. So there's like sort of a an appeal to her interest in collaborating to solve the problem. Uh, so there's like a lot of different flavors of conflict between them. But the main core conflict is like the power imbalance of a Starfleet captain, and a cadet in a room. Is the Bowman a ship that we've met before? I don't think it is. I think this is a this is a single reference ship. But oh, really? I mean, there's a lot of... Oh, I'm thinking of the Bozeman. That's the ship that, uh, that, right. uh, that Frasier was in command of, right? That's the Frasier ship, yeah. Yeah, wow. I mean, the structure of this, this episode is, is, is one scene, and it's just a an argument about what the regulations mean and whether or not loopholes can be found, whether or not the rules can be bent uh, for uh, somebody who really wants them to be bent. And it's very lawyerly. They are citing chapter and verse, like they both know the regulations damn near by heart. And they are arguing over the interpretation of those regulations. And I thought that that like this isn't a terribly new idea in Star Trek. 
like there's a life-threatening emergency going on that the subject of which does not realize is a test. But the thing that I really liked about this particular version of that is that it also sort of undergirds all of the Star Trek things we've seen where an officer who is not like a JAG officer is suddenly uh, made to behave as a lawyer for someone. Mm. And like it, it kind of makes the case that every cadet comes out of the academy like with a sufficiently good understanding of the rules and regulations that they could act as a lawyer. I really like that part of it. But there's one factor that is slathered onto every moment in this scene, and that is that Captain Pike is a celebrity. Yeah. And I think this is the thing that grounds this episode in in a contemporary way, right? Like, it's not just that this is a captain who's under arrest. It's a mm-hmm. captain that we know and that we love, right. that we have a previous relationship to. And I think if it's just any other captain and it's, and it's not Pike, I don't think it's as powerful for that reason. And crucially, Cadet Sidhu really respects him and wants to work for him. Yeah. <laughs> she and her husband both applied to get stationed on the Enterprise, and he's he's leaning into that. He's he's just he's not only leaning into the idea that they need to protect her husband on the Bozeman, which is under attack, but also that that they both you know wanted to be on the Enterprise. Do you think it's easier or harder to have a long-distance relationship in this kind of Star Trek future? Because they're clearly, like, stationed very far apart. Yeah. Uh, They both (laughs) didn't get their first job choice, so they're, like, low-key already disappointed with how things are going in that respect. Do you think that it's... Do you think that she's kind of done with her husband, so she has to be stationed on a ship that doesn't have the hologram communication? (laughs) Do you think there's a version of this story where, like, Pike makes the appeal that she should save her husband with him, and she's like, you know, things aren't going great, actually. (laughs) Like... Yeah, he made his bed. He can can fucking enjoy his little Bozeman adventure. I'm not going to risk my career for that guy. (laughs) He's on a ship. I'm on a starbase doing inventory. It it is possible. Pike's like, oh, I I mean, I didn't mean to bring up a sore subject. Yeah, very sorry. The case that this episode also makes is that there are rooms on starbases that are rigged to explode and like bounce around and feel like the starbase is taking incoming fire. That explains a lot of Starfleet technology, right? Like this is why every panel explodes the way it does because it's already it's already rigged for uh, it's rigged for, for simulations. Yeah. <laughs> you asked the question earlier, and so I need to throw it back at you. What was the point where you thought this was Kobayashi Maru? The second the panels exploded. That was it. Yeah. I suspended my disbelief. Like I was, I I wasn't trying to predict what this was. I did, I wasn't trying, Adam. It just yeah. it just popped into my head. I mean, I. I don't know what to tell you. I'm just a very incisive Star Trek viewer. (laughs) You really don't have a ton of time to come to that conclusion because at minute five of this eight minute short, it's revealed. Yeah. And uh, it's like, you know, it it gets to the point where he is trying to walk out of the room and she is holding him at phaser point saying like, I will shoot you before I let you walk out of this room. Meaning she is stuck with the, you know, duly given orders she gave. She did not choose Rewenge. What does it mean? It means Omerta. It means Rewenge. She did not choose 
to, you know, do the uh, easy thing for the celebrity that's there. Uh, she, she, you know, stuck with the orders she was given by the person she knew to be uh, giving the real orders. Right. Pike explains that, uh, first of all, your husband's fine. <laughs> Just need to get that out of the way. And is very, like, endearingly apologetic. You know, th- another comparison to make here is the uh, is the test that Troy had to do to become a, uh, you know, a full commander on the, on the Starship Enterprise. And, or the Wesley test, too. He did the same thing, right? Yeah, and, and like, these are, like, really emotionally challenging ordeals. And nobody is ever like, hey, really sorry that you had to go through that, but we had to know for sure, you know? <laughs> Yeah. I like that Pike says this. Pike explains that war is extreme and inhumane. Therefore, we must be extreme and inhumane in vetting you for duty. And I can't get out of my head the idea that if you were to go through this during a job interview, wouldn't you always be, you'd have to be vigilant at every moment (laughs) that a panel was going to explode and you would be tested at some inopportune time, right? Yeah. Does this is this just people that they think might have an axe to grind with the with the bad guys, or is it everyone that has to do with this? Well, here's the thing: like as we get to the end of the episode, Cadet Sidu is brought aboard the Enterprise, where she meets Number One and Spock, and it is revealed that Number One is the person who has devised this test. Mm-hmm. It's Number One screening program for the ship. Yeah. What the fuck, number one? Like, is this all you do? <laughs> this, this seems, this seems like a lot. Yeah. And the, and the crew is very big on that ship. A Constitution class ship has hundreds of crew members, right? Right. I think the case is made that this is tailored to her, though. Well, no. I mean, number one must tailor the test to every incoming cadet. Does she not? Yeah, I think so. But also, cadets probably don't come to the entrepreneur that much right like most people are being transferred and they're already like a lieutenant and have yeah have like a bit of a service record so they've taken the test elsewhere under under other proctors right hmm yeah do you think this is easier or harder than the kobayashi maru this has got to be harder right because you know the kobayashi maru is a simulation yeah, you walk into the simulator in the Kobayashi Maru. Yeah, so this has got to be harder. And why? The Kobayashi Maru should be the hardest test. It's much more like the Wesley test where, you know, he thinks that he's, you know, like lifting a real pipe off of a real injured guy. Yeah. You don't know the pipes are simulated in this version. It, you know, it took it took him 100 years to realize that there was kind of an inherent flaw in the Kobayashi Maru, but they, they figured it out. Right. And this is this is that, man. So Pike drops off Cadet Sidu in engineering. Our first look at the Enterprise engineering section. Yeah. It's a great big place. There's a bunch of worker bees in there. That's fun. I liked it. And it is not a updated version of the engineering section from TOS. It's like its own whole new thing. Yeah. That mother is big, Adam. <laughs> The last moment is her asking, like... The phaser I had during the test? Was it operational? Could I have shot you on stun and actually knocked you out? And uh, he kind of just winks at her. Says, I'll see her around the ship. That Anton Mount wink. Irresistible. Yeah. 
What do you think happened to her husband? <laughs> Is that Bozo still stuck on the Bowman? That's great. Like, like Pike says, look, uh, we're going to bring your husband aboard so you can, so you can process this traumatic event together. <laughs> also, your husband's going back to the Bowman. So <laughs> things didn't work out great for him. Yeah. Not my place to say, but uh, think about maybe uh, finding somebody else. <laughs> I mean, you didn't exactly uh, want to launch in and try to save him during the test, so I think that kind of says a lot. There are some excellent officers serving aboard this ship. <laughs> is this a couples therapy test? Is that what this is? <laughs> it might be. Cadet Sidu is like, stay out of my business. <laughs> Uh, what do you make of the number of short treks we've gotten that are this Enterprise crew? I mean, to me, it indicates that they are not done with these people. Like, Star Trek Discovery is not going is not going back here, as far as we know right now. But it seems like they've got these sets built. They're building more sets now. The futures bet that I've made is that Pike-era Discovery will be a part of Season 3 of Star Trek Discovery. Like, we're going to cut back to them. Yeah. That's what I think. I think uh, I think you're probably right. Did you like the episode, though, Ben? I did. I saw the twist coming the moment it opened. And I hear people talk a lot about spoilers ruining things for them. And I've definitely had times in my life where I was, I was like that, you know? Like, there was a, a long part of my adolescence and 20s where I refused to watch any movie trailer because I liked being, you know, totally unprepared for what I was going to see when I went to see a movie. One of my best friends closes his eyes and covers his ears during the trailers. Wow. Like today he does that. Yeah. And I've put that away and I don't feel that way anymore, you know, and I don't know if I've articulated to myself why that changed at all, but um because you look silly in a movie theater when you do that. Well, I I didn't take it to that extreme. I mean, I would I would watch the trailers in the movie theater, but I, you know, I don't mind like knowing the knowing the twist before it comes because I find that I get plenty of enjoyment from just seeing how it's executed and I think that this is very well executed. I think I didn't retain the name of the actor who played Cadet Sidu, but I thought she was great and I thought she could really go toe to toe with Anson Mount, which is uh, you know, no easy feat. That guy's a king. He is the king. Uh, Amri Carr is the... Ah, oh, you beat me to it. <laughs> ...is the actor who plays Cadet Sidhu. Uh You're right. She's great. She is distractingly beautiful. And I guess when you're a Miss Canada contestant, uh, I think I think that, that checks out. But she, as an actor, is so strong in this and every bit the equal of friend of the show, Anton Mao. I think... There's some really fun stuff happening here. Like Anson Mount has to act as though he is frustrated by her, but also suppressing how proud he must be in the very same scene. Yeah. I think that's neat. Like there's some some meta stuff going on there. It also made me think like when you cast Pike, how much you must have been looking for a teacher because so much of Pike's character is focused on teaching and teaching his crew and We've thought forever that like the crew of the Enterprise are the best of the best, but really when he's the captain, 
it's kind of it remains a teaching ship and it's because of Pike's character and it's because of what Anton Mount gives his character and I think it's Anton Mount's experience as an acting teacher that gives him that kind of that kind of effect, you know? I really yeah. like it and I think I think it's unique. As far as the story goes, I think it is commendable to tell a story like this where we're seeing in a very short amount of time like what it's like for a person, especially a lady person, especially a person of color to like try to resist a power imbalance right. like we get here. But I want to say this, like it is easier to resist that kind of imbalance when you're on the business end of a phaser. And I wonder if there was ever a version of the story without one. Huh? Yeah. That would have been an interesting twist on it. If, if he somehow was the one threatening her, I mean, I, I not quite sure how you get there in the in the writing of it like why would he need to threaten a cadet with a with a phaser to get you know comms opened up or whatever right these are uh these are the sort of conversations that must happen very early on and i uh, yeah. i wonder how how much that was argued that's not to take anything away from an episode that i really liked and this is a couple of short treks episodes in a row that are really leaning into like star trek as a, as a place type storytelling like it's just a room or it's just a turbo lift and it's a conflict and like you say it's self-contained in such a way that that this is like audition material this is good stuff what are the tholians do we know about tholians i feel like i've heard tholian ambassador before everyone knows about tholians except for us who have oh, the not... tholian web right we haven't seen every tos episode and so that's a little bit of a uh, blind spot for us yeah. Well, someday in the future we might watch that. Yeah, maybe we watch TOS before we get to Voyager. <laughs> wow. Ben, do we have any priority one messages? There's only one way to find out, right? Yeah, I think we need to go check the inbox and see what the answer is to your question. Priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. Ben, our first priority one message is from Roz which is our second Frasier reference of the show. Uh, the message is for Ben and Adam, and the message goes like this. Where were you when you learned that John Mahoney was gay? <laughs> this ad was paid for by the boyfriends of Lauren, Autumn, and Ben T. <laughs> wow. <laughs> uh... <laughs> I, you know what Daniel needs to do a better job at screening these P1 messages that's all I have to say do we know for sure that John Mahoney is gay is the question that I would ask Roz I think that's his business and his business only yeah the late John Mahoney imagine my disappointment when I uh, when I popped in the movie Owning Mahoney and it was a uh, very sad Philip Seymour Hoffman film not starring America's favorite actor, John Mahoney. John Mahoney is great. That was a inside joke from a conversation you and I had with some friends over dinner one time. <laughs> wow. I mean, not all private conversations are, are assumed private, I guess, in the, in the guess, world of Jumbotrons. I guess not. Jeez. Well, uh, we have a second Priority One message here, and it is from San Francisco, and it is for Los Angeles. 
the top two cities of of California having a conversation here. Mm. Goes like this. Okay, so you may have gotten Greatest Gen Con 2, colon, Star Trek 3 this time. But who gets Starfleet headquarters in the future? Huh? That's right, San Francisco. Ha! Okay, I'm just busting your balls. You know, we're, we're still friends. Come over for a beer sometime. Bring ice in case the power's out. I don't often consider ice when the power's out, but that's a great call. Bring the ice. You know, what are you going to do when the power goes out and you need to keep your pebble ice machine going? You're going to be fucked, oh. my friend. I'll probably get like a uh, like a stationary bike set up to generate power for it. That's how important the pebble ice is to me. Nah, man, you're going to get one of those gas-powered <laughs> power generators with a pull cord. Yeah. Get that thing going right away. Keep the <laughs> ice flowing. Yeah. Ice over climate. Every time for me. Easy choice. Well, you can keep the Priority One messages flowing by going to MaximumFun.org slash Jumbotron, where personal and deeply personal messages like one of these (laughs) is $100, and commercial messages are $200, both of which are a great way to reach the massive and growing audience of The Greatest Discovery. Yeah, and you know what? Uh... If you're in San Francisco, keep your eyes on uh, greatestgentour.com. Just saying. Hmm. What do you think of when you think of male grooming? Maybe it's a sharp haircut and a little bit of product. Or a bit of the old beard wax twisted into the ends of a mustache. Maybe it's a shower, a shave, a little spritz of fragrance. Me? I think of shaving my nuts. And not just my nuts, all around those nuts. I'm talking all around those nuts. And this form of male grooming is hard to do when your junk looks like a log of Play-Doh rolled through a dustpan in a barber shop. It's wrinkly, it's wriggly, nothing stays in place, and it's the one area where you don't want to have an accident. That's why I'm glad we're sponsored by the spring cleaning champions at Manscaped. They sent me their brand new lawnmower 5.0 Ultra, It's their fifth generation trimmer, featuring two interchangeable next-gen skin-safe blade heads, a standard one for taking a little bit off the top, and a new foil blade to go smooth wherever your heart desires. They also sent me an extra-large Manscaped t-shirt, which I will never wear, but it was nice of them to do. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code TREK at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping with the code TREK at manscaped.com. Nothing like... A little spring cleaning in your pants. I have tried so many meal services over the years. After all, I am a podcast host. And I gotta tell you, Factor Meals is my favorite. Why? Because I can go from what am I gonna have for dinner to eating a great dinner in exactly two minutes with Factor Meals. And don't sleep on their smoothies either. I got six of these in the box this week. Mango, tropical fruit, strawberry or banana. They're all amazing. They're like meal supplements I can enjoy while I'm on the go. Head to factormeals.com slash trek50 and use the code trek50 to get 50% off. Again, that's the code trek50 at factormeals.com slash trek50 to get 50% off. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. <laughs> Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. 
We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing. And wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on! Most of the plants humans eat are technically grass. Most of the asphalt we drive on is almost a liquid. The formula of WD-40 is San Diego's greatest secret. Zippers were invented by a Swedish immigrant love story. On the podcast Secretly Incredibly Fascinating, we explore this type of amazing stuff. Stuff about ordinary topics like cabbage and batteries and socks. Topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. Find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app. And at MaximumFun.org. Hey, Ben. What's that, Adam? Did you discover yourself an Edward Larkin? I did, Adam. Uh, for me, the Larkin of the episode is not an on-screen character, but the person who designs these simulator rooms on the Starbase. Because one thing that they've included is an ability for the walls to explode the cadet in question, knocking yeah. them to the floor, but not killing or injuring them in a long-term way. Uh, Not a simulation on that explosion. And that is that is really remarkable that they have that much control over the explosive force of the... <laughs> I mean, there's clearly a designer who is who is injecting a sort of proximity to to the panel, right? Yeah. And if you're too close, it won't explode. If you're too far, it won't explode. It's constantly reading your your proximity to it, and then it's exploding at the right time. Yeah, that's how I headcanon it. Yeah, I saw a a, a one man show the other night. I won't reveal who it was because this was kind of a, a a surprise moment in the show that I think is very effective as a surprise. But uh, he is standing on the stage, and it's a big stage. And at one point in the show, a bunch of stuff falls from the ceiling very suddenly, and just lands all over the stage and if he's not on like perfectly on his mark there's a bunch of stuff that could hurt uh pretty badly if it hit you and it's it's a really breathtaking moment and uh and and one that i'm sure took a lot of careful work to to make work because it's also a touring show and i was just like i was looking at that and i was like man like the just getting like the video set up at our live shows is kind of a headache every single time. Mm -hmm. <laughs> having all of those like objects policed up and, and, and put back into whatever netting above the stage uh, they're using every time is unbelievable to think about. And, uh, and so just the idea that that's like, that's rigged up like there's there's people that know the secret of that room and like have to go in and put it back together so that it doesn't look like it's going to explode on you 
Yeah, would you rather be the cadet doing inventory or the guy resetting the room? <laughs> I think I might rather do inventory, TBH. Yeah. Did you have an Edward Larkin, Adam? I sure did, Ben. Number one is drunk with power. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> I think it may be too much, too much power. Uh, she has the power to destroy a person's life here and possibly injure them. Uh, she seems to relish this. And uh, like even Spock is like, yeah, it's just what she does. <laughs> no one wants to tell her no. Like there's an understanding that number one is going to do this whether you like it or not. I think drunk with power is a form of drunk Shimoda. It is certainly a qualification for an Edward Larkin. And so that's what makes her mine. Yeah, absolutely. What do we have coming up next, Adam? Well, kind of a shorty this time around, but we are back into the comic books on the next short trek uh, where we will be wrapping up the four-part series of Star Trek Discovery comic books. Yeah. Star Trek Discovery Aftermath. Really uh, really looking forward to those. I really enjoyed the first two, which we covered on our previous episode. Yeah, and then after that, we've got uh, uh, short treks and then uh, back and forth until Star Trek Picard comes out in January. Yeah, it, it, did you gather that there, that there are actually two short treks being released in mid-December? That is what I thought, yeah. I think that the promo said that they're releasing those two animated ones on the same day. Yeah, so that'll be great. That's wild shit. <laughs> maybe they just keep getting shorter. <laughs> like Maybe those short treks will be two minutes long. Mm. Maybe the characters keep getting shorter. <laughs> is that what that is? These are... Trek stories about people of, of short stature? I don't know. I I think friend of the show Anton Mount's a good six feet, isn't he? Yeah, but Cadet Sidhu is quite a bit shorter than him. Yeah, I mean, that's another instance of, of an imbalance there. Yeah. He's he's towering over her. He's a big, tall man. You know, you get a, you comb that hair upward yeah. a little more. You could probably get 6'4 out of Anton he's Mount. He's eking at a, a, an inch and a half easy out of yeah. that hair. Yeah. Well, should we leave it with Robs from here? Yeah, that's the only thing left to do. Take it away, Robs. The Greatest Discovery is a Maximum Fun podcast, hosted by Benjamin Harrison and Adam Pranica. It's produced by me, Rob Schulte. Our theme music is by Friend of DeSoto and YouTube sensation Adam Ragusia. The Greatest Discovery is made possible by the support of our listeners, like you. Make sure the show continues by going to MaximumFun.org slash donate. If you'd like to discuss the show online, please use the hashtag GreatestDiscovery. You can find Ben on Twitter at BenjaminAHR, Adam is at CutForTime, and I'm at Rob K. Schulte. Thanks, we'll see you on the next episode of The Greatest Discovery. Maximumfun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.